Guys, I just got back from Texas, and I'll tell you... Um, are your arms tired? Boy, are my arms tired. <laughs> <laughs> what? I just flew back from Texas, and boy, are my said, arms tired? I said I just got back from Texas. I know, but the, the typical joke is... Never mind. How was, how was the barbecue? Uh, it was good. I had one slice off of uh, off of one brisket. I guess that that's all I had. I had to like lunch on the fly, and it was barbecue. But the barbecue sauce was really good. So you got a refund for the ticket, right? Because oh, it you, was just that's fun. the only thing to do in Texas. Is just get refunds for stuff? No, oh. barbecue. Oh yeah, it was good. It was hmm. it was delicious. I had, it was uh, it was great. Uh, but it was hot as balls down there. It was. 35, I don't know what that is in American, 320. Um, but it was it was so freaking hot. Uh, and it was very sunny, and that was great. Was it muggy? Uh, no, it was like a dry heat. It was like a dry heat. Man, that's the thing that kills me about the East Coast. I go down to Maryland and D.C. sometimes, mm-hmm. and, you know, the heat is not bad, but Jesus Christ, you're, you're breathing soup. Yeah. I can't handle it. Because yeah. it was a lot of, because it was a lot of heat, not a lot of golf girls. And, uh, and you guys know that I like to occasionally look at golf girls. You? Um, yeah. No. no. I've mentioned it before. I've mentioned it before. I'm still on the hunt for a golf girlfriend. Welcome to It's a Mimic with your DMs, Adam, Dan, and Terry. Welcome to another episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, the roundtable Dungeons and Dragons discussion where you never know what you're going to get. My name is Terry. With me, as always, on my left is Adam, and on my right is Dan. And today we are talking about... The Shadowfell. Are you guys genuinely excited about the I Shadowfell? I actually am. Yeah. Yes. I feel like uh, this is leaning into more towards of that that kind of dark, tragic Dungeons and Dragons like play uh, that I enjoy. Adam, are you are you looking forward to this one or not? And of course, I know you seriously enjoyed the Feywild. I know this is completely the other way. So. No, I have not ever felt happiness. I see what you're doing there. See, this is a bit that I understood immediately what Adam's doing. Sometimes I stare at him like, what the fuck are you doing? It takes me a while to figure out what's going on. Okay. Um. <laughs> no, what I, I prefer sad and emotionless Adam to angry and yelling at me because I've said something stupid, Adam. So I'm, go- I'm on board <laughs> hey, with this. don't you let him think that you said something stupid, okay? If you say that to him, now he thinks that every time he says it, it's warranted. It is. Fair one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no argument. Well, let's talk Let's talk about the Shadowfell, guys. We've done our episode on the Feywild, where the Feywild, I think Adam gave a really great description of it, where it's like you've turned the contrast up on your TV, you've turned the color up, everything is much more exaggerated. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very emotional plane. And the way that I view the Shadowfell, and you guys can jump in if you feel that I'm viewing it differently to you, is it's not necessarily a plane focused on death, but it's more focused on... Not despair, but like lack of emotion. It's like gloom. It's like as though the people there are not really feeling anything anymore. It, it's, like, full, so it's full of apathy. They're, yeah, they're, they're just uh, stuck in this stasis where they're just, they're just going through the motions. Just for the most part, I would say your average citizen is. There's a big, big, big um, perspective um, or a mentality in the Shadowfell that your soul is not fulfilled right and and not everybody has a soul like your regular villager now the word i would use is melancholy the entire thing is melancholy yeah well, i yeah melancholy but i think that there's there's a the apathy too of they can see the murder happening in the street from their bedroom window and they close the shutters and they won't be bothered 
where there's that little bit of it feels Victorian it, to me. It, in a it lot does of ways. feel Victorian, and it feels like um, Tim Burton esque, but Tim Burton sometimes is more caricature style, caricature style. But it's like as though if if Sweeney Todd was really, really dark and even more gloomy than it is, or it makes me think of like Gotham yeah. City sometimes. Yeah, you know. But again, Victorian and darker again. I love some of the mechanical changes that are involved with the Shadowfell. Can be used with the idea of um, light to the person using the light source will not travel as far yet you can actually see that light source from further away. I think these are all optional rules that you can use. Um, So you really need to adjust how you're playing in that world. And as a DM, it gives you another another few elements to think about to make your game much more creative. Um, So you guys know a little bit more about the background of the Shadowfell than me. If you guys want to share anything on who some of the the bigger players are and some of the lore, because when I was doing my research, I found that it's actually changed over the course of editions. The Raven Queen, for example, a big player in the Shadowfell, wasn't introduced until 4th edition, and it actually isn't discussed that much in 5th edition. I think it's mentioned in Unearthed Arcana, I think, somewhere, and that's it. The Shadowfell has been around for a very, very, very long time in Dungeons & Dragons. Um, And it's, uh, they call call it an echo plane, but I've heard it called a mirror plane and whatnot as well. Yeah, there's, there's, um, depending on how you do um, the planes in your homebrew game or whatever, um, it'll have a different uh, property to it. But the way 5th edition does it, is it something called the Great Wheel model of how to do planes? Uh, there's also the Great Tree model where everything is very Yggdrasil looking, and then there is the Great Access model. Did you? I'm sorry, Yggdrasil looking. Yeah. You have to explain that to the people that don't speak nerd. World Tree. So it, everything is branching off uh, from the central material plane. That's what it Which is. Which looks like a trunk, and then the further out you go, the branches the, and the, the branches and the go canopy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Great Wheel is it looks like a big old circle. So you have the material plane in the center. And then you have uh, the um, planar echoes of the material plane, which we've already talked about the one, which is the positive side, which is your Feywild. And then there's the negative side, which is the Shadowfell. And then surrounding those is your ethereal plane. And then as you go out, you get further and further. You get your elemental um, chaos and... All the way out there, yeah. No, no, no. That it's right outside the ethereal plane. Oh, okay, cool. And then in fifth edition, and then beyond that is your outer planes, which is your everything from the nine hells to Mount Olympus yeah. to the happy hunting grounds. And then and beyond that is the far realms, and there's a bunch of other shit too, like the astral plane and the the plane of dreams, and there's yep. other weird shit out there. So one thing I did want to bring up that I forgot to mention earlier uh, when when I introduced the plane was that it's it's the same as as the Feywild is compared to the material plane in that it's very much a mirror effect but there will be an adjustment so we talked before about how the Feywild you could have like uh, castle ruins would actually be a beautiful like elven sort of palace or something um, but then at the same time on the other side of that spectrum the uh, the Shadowfell is mirroring that those ruins as something else you know uh, maybe some sort of like gloomy like castle some sort of gothic castle which is very different to kind of two planes over that elven type palace that we might have there so you're you're going to have those that mirrored effect throughout this entire plane as well it hurts my brain when i think about how does if one change is made in one plane how do we know that that same change is being made elsewhere but i try not to think about that too much that's always my complaint about stranger things too when they go into the the upside down yeah right and you can see like oh and the fridge was open and i'm like why yeah. Uh, why? Why do we stop there? Why did it not close again when the person? Okay, you know what? Never mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's 
you can only go so far with the thought process. Even if somebody builds a castle on the material plane, why is how the hell did somebody build a castle? On the, uh, I, you know, I'm going to hand wave it and say destiny or fate. Yeah, like these it's places. All part of the bigger, yeah, yeah, bigger right. Um, and so uh, the big thing is, what are the big entities that are uh, at play here? And I think right. you, you wanted to talk yeah, about that. Absolutely, right? yeah. Right. So it's the entities at play that I would say are winding fates together. Yeah. Um, well, the, so, the Shadowfell is very much about undead and, and death in a certain sense as well. Uh, so a lot of the major players have something to do with death or um, pulling on the cosmic strings of life, right? Like those are the kind of guys you got. So you have, for one, you have the Raven Queen, who uh, is the straight up goddess of the Shatter Kai, who we'll talk about in a minute. Um she makes her home in the Fortress of Memories. Her entire shtick is she is there to gain memory and trinkets of the past uh, for uh, great events that happen of trauma and tragedy in people's lives. That's her big shtick. Uh, she's kind of bled over into kind of being the goddess of the transit from life to death. She's not the goddess of death. She's not the goddess of life. She's the, in the transit space there. I absolutely love that because that pits her against Orcus. Yeah, and quite often way. it does. And and frankly, we should we should do a mini series or something about the gods. I don't want to do a deep dive into the Raven Queen tonight. Yeah, fair enough. But um, but there's a lot of good stuff from the Raven. Yeah, from the yeah. Raven Queen. Um, and I was going to bring up. You already mentioned him, Orcus. Orcus is not in the Shadowfell, but he is constantly trying to get in there to get the undead that is in there. He has no uh, hold there but he's a frequent uh mention you can't mention the shadow fell without at least mentioning is orcus aligned typically with any particular race he no. is a demon prince of undeath and no he's not really uh, he's he's the undead god basically okay. um next you have uh shar uh, Shar was really big in 4th edition. She still exists in 5th, but she's a much smaller thing. She is the creator of the Shadow Weave, which is um, one of the interesting things about the Shadowfell, where it has its own source of magic. Shadow magic itself is separate from the Weave, which we talked about in the Feywild episode, um, which is where all of magic comes from. Mistra in Forgotten Realms lore created the Weave so that people had magic. Shar is kind of the shadow version of Mistra and made the shadow weave, which is where all shadow magic comes from. So was the shadow weave involved with the spell plague then? Is it, was that still tied together? Or? I'm not 100% sure on yeah. that one. I don't know what the fifth ed version of it is. Yeah. Um, it's it's a little convoluted at this point. Yeah. It really it really truly is. And then there's a couple other handful ones. Uh, uh, like there's the a god of thieves called Mask who lives in the shadow plane uh, who has been killed and resurrected. And then killed and then resurrected again. He's all over the place. Um, there are shadow dragons um, within the Shadowfell, which I bring up because they are uh, they're a little two-page thing in the Monster Manual. Uh, and they are just basically a template for normal dragons who spend too long in the Shadowfell. And the Shadowfell corrupts them and twists them to have very Shadowfell-like traits and now whatnot. are they linked to being just chromatic are they metallic as well uh, or? uh they are mostly chromatic okay um but there are some metallic ones um and they are often stuck in the shadowfell trying to get out 
Um, but they are uh, they get a fun little shadow breath weapon um, that if it reduces any uh, if if it reduces a humanoid uh, with that damage, a shadow rises from the corpse immediately. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. So if this if this dragon kills you um, with its breath weapon, you come up as a shadow next turn. That's crazy. Right? These things are amazing. They have abilities within Shadow that you would expect, like a bonus to stealth and whatnot. They have a sunlight sensitivity, like you would su- uh, suspect with Shadow. Um, so, like, these are your major players. And quite often, all of these things put together are called the Dark Powers. Right? And there's a bunch of other weird deities and whatnot that are in there. There's a lot of them. And I do mean a lot of them. Yeah. And they're supposed to be, I, I've heard, a council of hundreds is what I ran across in my research. Yeah. Most of them unnamed, unseen, and barely known. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's, you can really do whatever the fuck you want with these guys. Yeah. So is this like some sort of Shadowfell Illuminati? It's not that they're the Illuminati. Think almost... Um, it's not Shadow Council, it's it's otherworldly gods looking down upon you from a cosmic perspective, right? Yeah. That's the they are gods. Yeah. They may be lesser gods, but they are gods, but nobody knows what they are because they're they're dark and they're sh- just wreathed in shadow and you don't know in I mean in my opinion, I like one of the uh my favorite thing is that it's the rest of the pantheon that just put on these dark um shrouds and go to the Shadowfell and um, try to wrestle for the fate of the souls that are there yep. um, without direct intervention. And that's a deal that, that they have, right? Like that was somebody's interesting like uh, that. Uh, so they might show face on the material plane and reveal who they are. And, and they're, they're Corallon and they're Loth yep. and they're Mordrin and the, but then they go over to the Shadowfell and they're deep, dark, mysterious, shadowy figures. I thought that was a really cool like yeah, yeah. twist on it. Actually, I, I, like I like that the idea, and I will remember that should I ever run a campaign um, in the Shadowfell um, again. Um. <laughs> again, yeah. Uh, the last big player that is within the Shadowfell that's not part of the Dark Powers are the Shadar Kai. Uh, they are Shadow Fey. They're basically another type of elf. Yay, because we needed another. Because we needed another. Uh, they're more edgelord than drow, but less evil than drow. They are the minions of the Raven Queen. They worship the Raven Queen. They're all about the oh, Raven they're Queen. They're emo elves, okay. Um, they are very emotionless, um, and they're kind of they're near Vulcan in the incredibly controlled emotional side of things. Right? So, uh, and they're elves there. Is it controlling emotion, or is it just not feeling emotion at um, all? So, in the DMG, there's a optional rule called the Shadowfell Despair. Um, the Shadar Kai are so, in like, enthralled in this that they're basically, they have the, the taint and the darkness and the melancholy of the... Oh, we're uh, not going to mention taint? We're just going to move on? We're right. just going to move okay. on, yeah. Okay. Uh, of, of the Shadowfell have twisted them to become emotionless, right? Um, it's a form of madness to them. So, uh, there is... You know, it starts with apathy, it then goes to despair, and then it's just utter madness. Yeah. So, I would say that the Shadar Kai, especially since they serve and live within this realm, they're just emotionless killing hunters. That's all they are. I I really... They're love, almost monk-like. They're very monk-like, yeah. I really love everything, both everything about the Shadowfell and the Feywild. And I love those two planes as being like almost the next immediate planes from the Material Plane that you can... 
move in and out of as, as long as you do it carefully without too much consequence. Yeah. Um, but I like having them immediately available uh, to use. It's great. We mentioned in the Feywild episode that there was, you know, these thin veils yeah. in reality. Like if you're going gallivanting through a forest... You could accidentally end up in the fate. Well, we have these with the shadow fell as well. You're talking about shadow gates. Yeah. 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 But I, I like it where if you just wander into the mists, there's always mists mm-hmm. or fog or, or shadow. Or just shadow. Or, 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 yeah. Yeah, or just darkness, right? Yeah. One of the examples that I've read is uh, uh, oddly deep shadow in the corner of a crypt. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then you walk over to it and it's still a corner. And then you turn around and you are now within the shadow. I like even the idea of like walking through ruins or a castle, even the the covering like above a portcullis where it gets dark, that tunnel as you go through, even there. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, And then as soon as that happens, you have this weight that you realize, like you walk through and something's just not right. It's other dimension jumping there's a there's almost. a there's a dread on your soul exactly there's a doom in your pores very kind of smoke. silent hill right where you don't yeah. necessarily oh, yeah. realize you crossed yeah yeah awesome. all right so i i have a thought can i derail for half a second here you can derail yeah all right speaking of of the um the gods of the Shadowfell, right the the major players one of my favorite things from greek mythology is uh the three fates and they're often uh three sisters they're clotho lahesis and Atropo. And Clotho uh, spins uh, and actually weaves uh, and has a spinning wheel and creates the thread for each person's life. And Lahesis is the one who uh, weaves it together with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And Atropo comes through and cuts it. And that's the end of your life. And I always love the idea that the person making the life, Clotho, is a fae. Is a, like an arch fae. And then... Uh, La Hesis is in the prime material plane, looking over the the literal magical weave. Yeah, and then Atropo is in the shadow fell. And would you use these same names, or would you maybe assign these duties to other gods? It, dep- it depends. I, I love their names, and I love Greek mythology. So if my players don't know them, yeah, yeah. I'm going to steal it, right? But um, but then I love the idea of Atropo there, and so this is where you get your mirror from. One of them is making, one of them is using, and the last one is ending. And maybe you have to go deal with the fates themselves to resurrect somebody or to kill the big bad. You don't need to get into a showdown. Just go to the Shadowfell and talk them into using their magical scissors and cutting. Lit, cutting a literal thread and that person will die Yeah, on the prime material plane. Yeah, I just think that's a really neat idea, and I'm kind of been waiting for the shadow felt to yeah to, to kind of to, roll that out. Yeah. I, I love that idea. I love creating. So it like gives that. us something beyond the regular D and D pantheon sure. to play with there, and it really gets your players thinking bigger picture, and also the idea of the echo planes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So love it. Okay. Well, before we go into to some encounter ideas from each of us and some campaign ideas using the shadow fell, um, is there any last minute things you think that the audience needs to know before we move on? Um, it being a echo plane does not just mean if you walk across some ruins, they're going to have a darker, deeper version of those ruins or the forest. Everything's going to look a little bit more uh, lifeless and gray. This is going to apply to your major cities in the realm as well. In fact, Neverwinter, which is in the Forgotten Realms, has a famous other Let me side. try to remember the name. Evernight. Evernight. Did I get it right? Yes, you did. Uh, Evernight is a city populated by mad necromancers and undead and 
um, functions as a normal city just in the Shadowfell, and it is a mirror of the one of the biggest cities in Forgotten Realms, if I'm not wrong, of Neverwinter. Definitely goth clubs in that. Oh, 100%. Like, and like they have the little blade-like logos above the doors <laughs> where only vampires towers. are around, allowed in this and one. And familiars. Yeah, right? So, okay. <clears throat> All right, well, so, so let me get this straight. There are there's the Shadowfell, which is all about not death but undeath, because undeath yeah. is an unholy mirror of what death should be. It's life without a soul, yeah, or without purpose, right? Is undeath. How does that fit with necromancers and liches and and skull lords that have wants and needs and souls and power? And- this is the place where they are the safest to pursue their interests. And I guess they're manipulating the undead. I would oh, say, yeah. yeah, they they must act like demigods in this plane. Yeah. And so this is where, I, I really like this. I even like the idea of hags being in here and the curses they're putting on the mortal souls and whatnot. I, you start to lose me when we're into flesh golems and when we're into uh, werewolves. Because now all we're doing is we're just dealing with the universal monsters from the old universal movies. Well, it, it has a very Mary Shelley like feel to it. Yeah, but it, it's... It's not necessarily undeath at that point. We're constructs, we're lycanthropes, and these things are not... I mean, you can make an argument that constructs fit, but I don't like werewolves in the Shadowfell. It doesn't suit... Well, there's no light, there's no stars, there's no moon, there's no sun. It is a black voidless or a black void dome as a sky which yeah so i'm fine with wolf men but don't we already essentially have that with gnolls yeah right? werewolves would make more sense in just a gothic city on the prime material plane yeah. exactly yeah. and that's uh, so me personally i dislike werewolves in the shadow fell i just wanted to throw that out there it doesn't make any sense to me fair enough hmm. um the other thing is uh and we'll bring this up a little bit later with uh when we go a little bit deeper into strahd and the curse of Strahd. good old strayed good old strayed <laughs> um a lot of people have said there's not a lot of support for the Shadowfell in terms of campaign arcs and everything else like that um there is the curse of Strahd, which does exist and there's the old ravenloft uh campaign setting which exists but in 3.5 there was another adventure path that was released uh based around the forgotten realm city of cormier country of cormier um and it's called cormier tearing of the weave and it, it is one of the modules that was right before 4th edition came out. And it, it was setting up the start of the spell plague, which was fantastic. Awesome. We would need someone to actually adapt that for 5th edition. You but... would have to adapt it to, to 5th edition. But uh, if you are a somewhat experienced DM and looking for something in the Shadowfell that doesn't involve Strahd. And it's not too bad. It's all stat blocks and magic items. So you can, a little bit of time, you, yeah. you can get there. Um, okay, team. Well, we're going to move on to encounter ideas and campaign ideas. But first, as always, let's cut to commercial, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hello and well met. It's Daniel, the keeper of arcane secrets. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry about that. Anyways, I'm here letting you all know that you could find and listen to the Call of Cthulhu actual play Halloween miniseries right now on the It's a Mimic feed. I have been anxiously awaiting the opportunity to share it with you all. So check your podcatcher, YouTube, or www.itsamimic.com to check it out. Thanks, and on with the show. Man, I gotta get this cough checked out. 
Okay, team, topic two. We'll get to roll some dice here. So first of all, I want us to present... Uh, each give two encounter ideas. Once you've been around the table with those, we'll start to talk about campaign ideas. Grab your dice. Are you ready to go? I felt like my dice is very shadow. Three, two, great. one. What did I get? We one. Got, yeah, we got oh, three, two, read three one. two, one. So that, that was actually... Who got three, Dan? I got a three. I right. won with a three. I'm going last, and Adam's going second with a two. All right, all right, so hold on. Hold on. So we're doing encounter ideas. Two encounter ideas. Are we going to do two of them at once, or are we going to go around twice? Let's go around twice. Let's go around twice. Cool. Okay. Um, my, my first encounter idea is fighting a group of Shadar Kai, uh, trinket hunters who are, you would hit this right as soon as your party has experienced some sort of loss, like an NPC death, or they didn't quite win the final battle as well as they hoped. And the Shadar Kai have come to obtain some sort of artifact from them usually by force, to commemorate the event. So you are fighting these Shadow Kai, these Shadow Elves, who are popping in and out of the shadows. They are they are um, very thief-like and thief-oriented, and they're coming through and they're stealing important trinkets, like the, you know, the neck piece or the, the signet ring of your fallen compatriot or something like that. That's what they're going for. Something that your party actually cares about as a... Uh, commemorative piece from this encounter or this player or this person um, and won't want to give up. Just grab something like that. The, the, yeah, like they need Oscar's cod piece. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay. Mm, so the stress for the player. That's why they send like six or seven uh, Shadow Kai to handle it because it's just a massive cod Because that's how much it takes to find it? It's No, no, no. It's, it's that big. They need all the hands to carry it. And they're pansy elves. Anyways, Carrie... <laughs> Oh, wait, you I wasn't even seconds. Yeah, so. yeah, Adam, you're next. What's up? All right, so you guys are not going to be surprised when I say this because you've both run into this in the past. Um, but I think that the um, Shadowfell is ripe for the concept of prophecy and curse. And so the very first thing that I would do is I would drop a mystic, uh, a seer, a psychic down there, and I would read their fortunes, and I would say, hey, guess what? You are going to run into this. You're going to run into this. You're going to run into this. And lay out the entire, um, your entire plan ahead of time. This is a hook that's going to keep people interested because, uh, and I would use metaphor, right? One of the things that I've done in the past was I introduced um, a prophecy of, of uh, you see in front of you a barrel and inside the barrel is the swirling cosmos and great power with a loud roar that comes out of it that pierces your ears, right? They're not going to literally run into a barrel in the future, but they did run across uh, dragon blood and they filled a barrel with it. And the dragon blood is very powerful and imbued all of their weapons with, with magical properties and whatnot. And so that was the, the metaphor. Mm -hmm. Hit your players with metaphors and, and tell them what their futures are and watch as they try to figure out what that means and how that's going to help. And for a lot of uh, DMs out there who are saying, well, I'm not going to throw prophecy at my players because, you know, I can't prophesy how the campaign's going to go. I find a lot of prophecies that you give players, they, the most bullshit things, are kind of self-fulfilling. Well, the, uh, yes, what do you mean? Okay, before before I go off, what do you mean? Um, you have given me once a prophecy that, you know, a, a red uh, streak across the sky or whatever it was attacked my character, right? Yep. Um, and I don't even think you understood what that would be. You're just all like, no, it's a red streak across the sky. That's That's... 
when something like that happens, I'd be like, yeah, that's totally a prophecy. Because remember, prophecy is also vague. It doesn't have to be a direct, like, oh, yeah, you're 12 noon in five days, you're going to get attacked by. Don't do that. It's got to be a a, a streak of red will cross your path in the future. Okay, what does that mean? Well, when you get attacked by the uh, Vashtani uh, caravan and they're all wearing the red robes, um, that's could and they they attack you by meeting you in the middle of the road. It, and you it, see it them could run be, across the road. It could yeah. be a cardinal type um, uh, Aarakocra, right? It, right. That flies in. It a, could be a dragon could fly across a, your a, path. A winged kobold. One of my favorite things is is a scaled stranger. Well, is that a lizard folk, a dragonborn, or a man in in yeah. scale mail? Yeah. Right. And and your players will add the weight to it because they will try to make it happen. Like they'll be like, oh, "Is this my prophecy?" And then they'll and they'll run into- they'll run right at it like like Terry running into the mouth of a T Rex. <laughs> but prophecy can be very vague. But it, you can also drop it in the same order. And what they think is this the prophecy? Turns out that it's not the prophecy. And then it, it blindsides with something else later. Right? Yeah. And so you can use if you are vague enough and you are crafty enough and you can sit back and you've done it for all of your players. They don't know whose prophecy is coming in what order. Mm-hmm. And if there's three or four different steps in each, you can sit back and say, you know what? It's been about three sessions since we've had a big dramatic um, character moment. Whose prophecy is up next? What, what what do we have in my notes here? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, this person is going to see a, a golden spear that ends the life of the lamb. I don't know what that means, but hold on a sec. Hold on. All right, let, let me figure this shit out. And then you can hit them with this, and it's and they're all waiting for it, right? Yeah. And so whether it's it's a, at a literal golden spear, or or it could be a a golden um a golden needle. I feel or, like, or or sorry, or my favorite thing is the gladiator named the golden spear, right? Like it could be anything, and that's. I think you could challenge yourself as a DM here and literally have, when you're doing these prophecies, a random table. And roll on the random table what it's going to be. Because you know that this isn't going to go into place for sessions and sessions and sessions. Yeah. So it can just be fun. Like, oh, well, I have this collection of prophecies now. They're all kind of messed up. They don't really make sense. But we'll see where we go with them. Uh, I think that'll, that will teach you flexibility, guys. So a lot of people reach out to me all the time asking how they can stay flexible and, and learn those techniques of, of acting on the fly. That'll help you. There's a little bit of training for you right there. But again, the reason that I say for the Shadowfell is because these are your players are heroes. They're going to be the brightest souls in the realm, mm-hmm. right? So, so anyone with a magical bent will be drawn to them, and prophets and seers and psychics yeah. will know that they're there and be able to see their future a little bit. Because by contrast to the rest of the world, they are neon lights. Yeah, right. So, I had for my encounter idea. Um, a puzzle. I talked to you guys before how, about how I like puzzles within battle, and I don't necessarily want, if it's a battle encounter, not necessarily to, to reduce all the hit points to zero is not how you win, but to complete whatever the task is without dying, essentially. Yeah. And I had this idea to introduce newer players to planar travelers to do it on a much smaller scale, which is you will have your battle map. shrink them down. Shrink them down. Yeah. Absolutely shrink them down. Um, have it everyone's, on, a, everyone's a gnome. Dan's happy. Everybody's a gnome, <laughs> which means Dan the becomes perfect a, life. Dan then becomes a sprite or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Closet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but say have the same map but in the mirror plane and have a number of different shadow gates or use items around so that your players 
safe the puzzle is to get from the bottom of the castle courtyard up to one tower or something. Um, in in the uh, in the shadow fell, the bridge might be broken in the material plane. It's not, and so they can go over the bridge there, but then they'll have to go into the shadow fell to get through the next bit. And so they're kind of hopping in and out. I like that. Oh, and you give them either. But so are the enemies. You give them either the light portal or the dark portal at every place, so they can go into the Feywild or the Shadowfell and figure it out. Exactly. Let's go to the next stage. But what I also like about this is there is going to be times now where the party will split themselves between planes. <laughs> you silly motherfuckers. <laughs> between, because, and this is just the rule of initiative, somebody goes through the Shadow Gate before Initiative 20 and the other people go afterwards, right? Or yeah. one person goes through into the Feywild because they're on that part of the puzzle. You can split that party three ways. And... And there's a lot of stuff, a lot of spells that say as long as you're on the same plane. Yeah. And that never comes up in a campaign, right? But do it on a smaller scale like this where you can control it a lot more. It's very fun for the players. takes away the nerves for planar travel. You as the DM become much more comfortable with it. You get yourself a great, interesting puzzle and you get to start to learn to think on the fly a little bit as well. Yeah, and use those special rules for spells such as being on the same plane. So, yes. That's really awesome. I actually played a video game that did that that. once. It's called Portal. No, 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 no. Uh, it, it did it with time. You could move forward like 500 years in time or go back. So like you'd get to a river and you'd select your character to move forward. So time would progress 500 years and a bridge would appear over the gap and you would cross the gap and move on to the next puzzle. Hmm. Oh, yeah. man. Or you go backwards and the river dries up. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, cool. it, was, it was a pretty fun game. That's Anyways, uh, my second encounter is... Uh, it's a bit cruel. But I, 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 I've, I've always been a fan of tweaking with players' backstories. Um, your player that has, like, the most beloved character in their backstory, whether it be, like, a kind uncle or you a... You kill them. No, no, no. Worse than kill. You make them pass along them on their way, on their journey through the Shadowfell, and they have succumbed to the Shadowfell despair, and they are sitting there, and they're these... Um, to these characters, these... Uh, paragons of joy and life and excitement and all these uh you know good feywild-esque tendencies and they stumble across them and now you have to deal with this person who is despair driven depressed to you know the nth degree sitting on the side of the road you know practically just weeping on the side of the road, and now your players have to justify this and and solve this problem and and try to build this person's spirits. See, I wouldn't have the weeping though. Weeping is something I expect in the Feywilds, where it's emotion ramped up. Yeah, weeping. Right, that's, that's passion. I would have them sit sitting there sobbing, di- then like no, like just, no, just 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 like no, to I still still no. I would have them dejected. I would have them completely apathetic, hollow, uh, detached. It's like, what are you doing here? Why go anywhere else? Yeah, or that. Yeah. Right? And I think that that's more Shadowfell. It's not the negative emotions. It's the lack of emotions. Right? Am I wrong on this? No. Okay. I, 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 you could go either way, in my opinion, for the Shadowfell. You could go think, negative emotions because... But that's the unsealing It's not core. that they feel sadness. It's that they don't feel anything. Yeah. See, the, the sadness and the rage and whatnot, that's the unsealing court in the Feywild. Yeah. As far as that's my interpretation. And of course, this is open to interpretation. Yeah, so. right. And the, the, however you do it. But like I would have this character who is this paragon of joy of this person's past be a wreck in front of them in whatever that sense is. So yeah. that they can now have this social encounter of moving their mentor into a 
caring, less apathetic, or even just happier position. Yeah. Right? Love it. Trying to kind of, well, pull them out of the darkness. Yeah, pull them out of the darkness, yeah. You know what? You can go deep with that stuff. Yeah. Speaking of, I'm kind of on the same page as you, but... um, So let let me paint you guys a word picture. Your party has found a fey creature, whether it's a satyr... Or it's a sprite, or probably a pixie, maybe. I hit them with my longsword. <laughs> Something that that is very jubilant and and uh, excitable, and almost to the point of being borderline annoying. They're just like, "Come on, guys! I, I'm just really excited about this." You just you, they're they're a freaking halfling on speed, right? Like whatever it is, you have this creature that they have to get to the sorrowful princess by whatever who's in the Shadowfell. But when you get in there systematically as day by day goes by this creature is sapped of its will to live and its life and you know that in eight days this creature will die and you have to get six days away this is almost this is reminding me this is almost like getting closer to Mordor. yeah and it's slowly sucking out and if you don't get them there that's it the you you fail this quest and that creature i don't know i'm depending on your party I clear at first, but like opens its wrists, or they find it hanging by a tree. There's just there's no will to live anymore, or they lay down in the gutter and refuse to move, and they just want to die. And if you pick them up and move them, they will just stop breathing. And it's not like they're holding their breath; they just don't have it in them anymore, right? Whether it's the slow, apathetic despair that takes them, or they just say, "Why bother?" Right? And they get really, really big picture depressed. Yeah. Capital D. This right. is something you're gonna want to talk about in yeah. session zero. Yeah, you have to be. Yeah, I, I think this could be party. a great, um, yeah, definitely emotional campaign for the players to go through. You would have to strategically break it up with moments of comedy and happiness. And well, I think that if that if you have to go six six days or eight days or whatever it is that you got to go, it's three sessions, right? And then at the end of the three sessions, the character either makes it or doesn't. Can't make it back is doomed to die regardless, mm-hmm. and maybe signs up for a suicide mission for the greater good. But you have to watch it. Yeah, you have to be there and see this happen, and then that's that's horrifying. And now you have to go back to the Fey Wild and you tell them, and the Fey creatures are like, "Well, everybody dies. Who cares?" Mm-hmm. Right. By the way, have you seen this brand new thing? It's called a thimble. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. And and like then you break <laughs> it up from there. Right. So yeah. Um, but I love the idea of just taking that breakout to get. Um, uh, to to get David Tennant, Doctor Who, mm-hmm. upsetting, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I love that. That's what I want. That's, That's awesome. Your turn, guys. Good ideas. Well, my last one. I was happy with my first one, but this one maybe doesn't seem as exciting. I'm always trying to think about the new players. How can I help the new players introduce them to the new planes if they're nervous? And so before I had that single encounter idea of bouncing between the gates and and being introduced that way, um. But then I was thinking about um, the idea of the uh, the what what the hell is the name of the keykeeper in the Matrix? You know, he's kind of running around with the keys. I am the gatekeeper. Are you the keymaster? Keymaster, gatekeeper, yeah, or whatever. I, it's it's no, some Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. No, that was Ghostbusters reference, Terry. <laughs> was it? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't you can't do things like that because the internet realizes I don't always know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then I have this like reverse nerd shame where it's like I'm not nerd enough or something. I don't know. I love I love the fact that the first Matrix reference we really pull out is from like one of the crappy sequels. 
Okay, I'm not going off on a segue on how you're just fucking wrong on this. First of all, the sequels were not crappy. Listen, Underworld. You don't get an opinion on the the Matrix sequels. Underworld was also not shit. Yeah, but they they go hand in hand. They're there with Blade. Latex and trench coats. Let's move on. My idea of this gatekeeper being a person who knows where the shadow gates are can lead them to them, lead them through them um, at, at, at certain times, however you want to put it into your campaign. Um, but the players have a more guided approach in and out of the Shadowfell. Play them like uh, this NPC that is leading them through. Play them like the uh, Alan Rickman's robot from Hitchhiker's Guide. Oh, the, the, the depressed? The depressed. Uh, Marvin. Marvin, yeah. yeah. Just, and here we go through yeah. this. Well, hold on. There is... Uh, shit, it's been a while since I did the Fiend's breakdown. There is a Fiend that is the Boatman from Life to Death. It's a, it's a, um, Yugoloth. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mer, I don't know. I'm not going to get it. Anyway, if the Raven Queen is all about, you know, the, the transfer from life to death, then you can actually, um, you can have this Boatman be the guide. Love it. Anyway, that was my idea. It was this gatekeeper type idea. Just to, again, speaking for new players so they have a much more, uh, a much easier introduction um, into the Shadowfell. Cool. And because we're just talking about single encounter, I felt like meeting this gatekeeper could could work for them. But now I want to think bigger scale. And well, we can even, would you guys want to roll initiative again? Let's do it. Let's roll. Let's we didn't get to roll for Two the campaign one. ideas. We'll do two laps. I like it. Okay, let's go. Dan, you go. Okay. Adam, moi. We all rolled an eight. We all rolled an eight. That's the first time ever. All right, that's it. Podcast over. I quit. Okay, bye. That's it. it. It's, it's three infinity symbols. That's what it is. Oh, that's really upsetting with the, with the Shadowfell theme. Yeah. Why is there a screw in here, Dan? Uh, I'm a carpenter. At least that was a month ago. Fair one. Oh, you bu- you bumped me back up to an eight. That's not even cocked. Fifteen for... Yeah, yeah, Adam. Adam. Fifteen so Adam, for Adam. Adam. First. Thirteen for Dan. Eight for Terry. Deliberately so. Campaign idea? Campaign idea, please. Your entire party has been brought together because their souls have been stolen. And the upper and lower planes are after them. And they're wandering around the Shadowfeld as ghosts. Disembodied spirits. Okay, now what does this do for roleplay, though? Is this going to affect... If if they get your soul and they manage to drag it away to um, an upper or lower plane... When you get to one of those planes, whether it's the Nine Hells or Mount Olympus or whatever, bam, your body goes and you don't come back. You hit the afterlife, you're done. And if you go to the lower planes, you come back in as a as a mayonnaise uh, um, or a sorry, not a mayonnaise, a, a mayonnaise like helmets, yeah, <laughs> or or, um, or a lemure, right? Because okay. that's it. And if you go to the upper planes and you end up as a low-level celestial, right? And you, so that's you it. Have a party. Miracle whip. Now, this is what you... You know I do this because I like getting fucked up. So, yeah. like, I'd be fine with this. But you got to have a party that's going to be okay with their perfectly crafted superhero character getting a bit fucked up and they've got to adjust along the way. Um, but I love that idea. But I love the idea of... Remember Peter Pan having to, like, sew his shadow back on? Yeah. You have to negotiate with your own soul to get it to re-inhabit your body. And your soul's been there longer than you, so it. it is far more depressed than you I are. love the idea of, like, the shadows, yeah. like in uh, Ghost, Patrick Swayze's Ghost. Good yeah. movie. Watched it the other night. Uh, like, dragging you off. Yeah. Like, I, I think that it's it's amazing because you can have 
hags that are there that are cursing, that are dooming your soul, yeah. right? Or that have thrown it in a soul cage and you have to go deal with it. You have... Um, you have other ghosts, maybe, that don't want to give up the soul. So now you've got, um, you know, mid-level undead uh, yeah. campaign uh, or encounters, rather. Um, and uh, and I love the idea of there being a necromancer. And because you don't have a soul, but you're technically walking, they can control you. And the DC on all of the necromantic bullshit is through the roof. Yeah. Or you have negative modifiers to do damage or really something. Good. Right? So like it's... It's soulless campaign, and I figured that I could probably get a level 5 to level 10 campaign out of that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, for me, I've got a, uh, a heist idea for a Shadowfell campaign. Is it to go get your souls? No, it is not to go get your souls. Then I'm not listening. Uh, it is to go get memories. It is to go secure the memory of a um, cursed archmage from the Fortress of Memory, otherwise known as the Raven Queen's home. You and your party have to break in, find the Hall of Mirrors that contains this one Archmage's entire memory bank, retrieve it, and bring it back. Um, I would definitely oh. have this be like up until like level 15. I love the idea of, of you planting like the seeds of whatever this Archmage's history is and then you have to go through their memories yep. and watch their apprentice die in their arms and what and, and you have to live these historical moments from this big hero or whatnot. Yep. To go. That's or really villain. fun. Or villain. And you realize like this is the guy who is like the cause of the region's troubles. He's just forgotten and become a drunk bum on the side of the street in the city. Oh, I would do it the other way around. He was just like us until that one fateful day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you see how he has involved, as you're walking through this guy's memories, he's involved each character in some way, shape, or form in his plot. And then you have that emotional moment of this guy has been manipulating me from my birth. And here I am saving him. And you have that weird conflict uh, within your party. I love this idea. And you get to deal with the whole, you know, breaking into the holiest of holy sites for an entire race of people as the Shadar Kai. And you're heisting a god's treasure. It's like heisting a dragon's treasure, just so much worse. So Can you please stop saying heisting? Heisting is not a word. Thieving, stealing, I'm with you, but heisting is not a word. Robbing. My character's no. name will be uh Robert Person, I guess. Stevie Lake or something like that. But yeah. Instead of Danny Ocean, because mm, we play D and D very differently. <laughs> I, for example, need Dan to fuck off. <laughs> Terry, what do you got? Um, I I deserve that one. I like to watch the show. I got inspired by the show Outlander. You guys have seen Outlander? I saw the first like three episodes. The ones a bit cheesier first, but yeah. when the budget goes up. Yeah. yeah, okay, all right, I'll revisit. Okay, if you don't, guys at home, if you don't watch Outlander, it's very good, go and watch it. But spoilers for Outlander in three, two, one, go! Basically. Hold on, hold on, I'm plugging my ears. You do, you do your thing. No, I'm Adam, you got to just deal with it. Yeah, I'm, no, I'm plugging my ears. You okay, go plug ahead. your ears. Okay, Dan? See where he's plugging his ears? Okay. Yeah. Um, have, you, have you seen it? Um, I know it is a favorite of uh, Midwestern housewives everywhere. I'm sh sure it yeah. is. It's probably the most exciting thing they've got going on. <laughs> um, uh, so basically, she goes back in time to meet somebody, but then when she goes back to the future, she has lots of clues because it's a historical yep. thing uh, where she figures out what might have happened and then she can go back and put that into play what she thinks what's happened. 
So that's time-related, but I would have it planar-related in that all of the clues for what you're looking for may be on the material plane, and then when you find a clue of whatever you need to do to develop your campaign or to develop your plot or get to the next step in your campaign, you have to enter the Shadowfell at that point and see if you're I love correct. it. Absolutely love you know it. And you could, you could start doing weird things like... Uh, Taking your books, reading your books, doing your knowledge in the library. Okay, this must mean the gate is here, and when we get through, it's this is what's on the other side. Exactly. No, I, I absolutely love that idea. Yeah. yeah. Adam's tickling the hamster. We should probably let him go. <laughs> okay, you guys stop talking to pull my, my finger. Yeah, we just turned around staring at you. So, yeah, so, so you know that thing where if you mm. don't want to hear, you've got to, like, put your fingers in your ear and then, like, move them in and out or back and forth or something to get that, like, wah, 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 so you yeah. can't hear. Hey, Otherwise, what is that? Is it your own blood you're hearing? What is that? Uh, that's probably someone else's, frankly. Air pressure yeah. against your eardrum, I would. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I didn't catch a word of that. Someone, I think Terry said Shadowfell at some point, but that's to be expected. I didn't catch anything. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. Cool. Oh, shit, I got to edit this episode. Yeah, you do. Sidebar. I have now listened to it. Everything's spoiled. And editing sucks. All right. Oh, uh, okay. So campaign idea. Mm-hmm. All right. Second one. So uh, you limit the um, the races that people can play right off the bat. You allow elves. You allow gnomes. You allow uh, the gith. You allow um, some of the uh, some of the more monstrous creatures. Uh, drow, maybe, depending on on where they're from. And then you reveal when everybody is there um, that there's no such thing as a prime material plane. Whatever gods, whatever evil gods uh, happen, one before session one hit. And so now you, it is your job to take part of the Feywild and part of the Shadowfell and make a new prime material plane. Using the echoes to try to put it together. But you are elves or gnomes or whatever from other realms, so you don't know what it looks like. Hmm. at first and so this is a full 20th level campaign because you need huge magics to be able to do this shit uh and you are there to figure out what happened to the prime material plane what happened to all the souls that were there who killed it in the first place and what can you do about it and can you rebuild it yeah so i'm going really broad strokes on this um and i think that you've got a balance and i would i would make it so that you could accidentally destroy the Shadowfell and the Feywild by merging them together and balancing the two, and there's no more Shadowfell or Feywild. That's quite the consequence of messing your campaign up there, Adam. It's usually just that you die. But now well, it's... I figure that by level 20, you, you know, you're usually plane hopping and saving the world and yeah. shit. Go big. Yeah. Right? And uh, there's nothing much bigger than the world doesn't exist anymore. I love planar travel, to be honest. I do, too. I find it very daunting. Yeah. Just because each plane has its own shtick and how long can you stay on it yeah. before you get bored of it and need to move on to the next one. So planar travel is a lot of plane hopping for me. Yeah. I don't I don't feel like I could run a, a Feywild campaign yeah. for 20 levels. That's fair enough. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so mine, I, I loved the idea of uh, Orcus trying to get into the realm um, so I would have an entire uh, campaign focused on your party, planar hopping, however it is, but your major play piece is going to be within the shadow uh, within the shadowfell is fighting against uh, Orcus and his cults and everything else to prevent them from entering this realm. Um, and the thing is you are going to have to directly fight the um, necromancers and the undead and everything that call this place home 
uh, to get through to the cultists. So to make this a little bit more intriguing, a little bit more enticing, I would place this in ever, uh, um, Evernight. I would place this in this massive Shadowfell urban campaign of you are doing, um, you are trying to crush this Orcus cult within this realm that wants him to be there. So you're constantly having to fight all the way along the way. And uh, along the way, you uh, attain several key NPCs and allies, like maybe a gold dragon that's become a shadow dragon um, and has this inter, uh, inner conflict within himself to help the party, but also to devour them because of this uh, shadow fell taint that's all over top of him. There's that word again. So... Um, <sighs> look, look, I think that's a brilliant idea. I wouldn't restrict it to a single city. I like the idea of it being a hex crawl, and you can tell your players at like level three, assuming you're going one to 20. So you're, you tell them 15% of the campaign where all the gates are. There are 13 gates because 13 is a great number, right? And you need to get seven before Orcus gets seven. And you've either got to find cultists and interrogate them to find out which one they're going to next. You have to fight everything around the gates to, in order to gain control of them, right? And you have to either seal them or set up protectors or whatever it is, but you give them a whole world and the clock is ticking, right? Yeah. And if they if they don't um, interpret the signs appropriately, they secure a gate, but Orcus was over there and secured one too. You went to the wrong gate. Yes. And now it's a it's a, just a race. Yep. Back and forth across the map for 20 levels. I mean, you make your friends and your allies and whatnot as well. It's a D&D campaign. Yeah. But you're in the Shadowfell going back and forth because now you're in the vampire region and then you have to go into the necromancer region and you know what the map looks like. And you're like, oh shit, you know what? We can do ghosts. I'm not up for liches yet, guys. We're going to say that one till later. Yeah. And you're strategically planning based on your character level. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I, like I like that idea. I would just take like it. Down. I like the urban. The urban would be a section of it, and I would give them a big ass hex crawl map to to play with. Fair enough. Yeah, good idea though, Dan. Me, uh, I'm going last. Hey, um, I like the idea. I would use this in a campaign for perhaps a follow up campaign, or if you get to the point in the campaign, you know, where you, you tag DMs in and out, and it would be for the next one because it would revolve involve the death of a beloved NPC, in which their soul. Then moves to, onto the shadow plane, onto the onto the shadow fell, um, and perhaps the party, their first part of their campaign is that they would maybe reach out to the Raven Queen or something to maybe negotiate a deal about how they can bring their soul back. But instead of getting the Raven Queen, they actually get a trickster god, and the trickster god says, for the basically for their personal enjoyment, they are willing to honor the deal that if they can find the soul, they'll bring them back. And it's about them moving through the shadow fell to locate this soul. But would maybe leave them hanging for a day or two as he thinks about terms or something to give that soul that's a two-day head start as they kind of make their way through. And the campaign, the reason I did it follow-up campaign, because now a newer party, because again, I'm thinking from the, the um, idea of newer players, would be, now be more comfortable with uh, with planner travel. They're also going to be at a higher level now. So because we're saying maybe don't run the whole campaign in the Shadowfell, you can, at least you're going to be at a higher level. We can have much more interesting and more deadly encounters for that short-term mission they have, which is actually to locate one particular soul and retrieve it back for them to get their beloved NPC back. I, I like the idea, too, of, you know, they watch the body get destroyed, but the, sto- the soul still needs to be saved. Yeah. Right? And so this is where you get your high-level magics like reincarnate. Yeah. Right? Or or sequester. 
you've got a weekend up Bernie's your way through this, right? You have this body that nobody can see that you need to protect. Yeah. Right. And so, sure, it it ends if it takes damage and nobody can hit it. But man, a hot enough volcano, right, will just do ambient damage and it's going to wake up the, the body at which point if it wakes up without its soul now it's dead and like well, you, you could do a twist on that one as well and have the soul be on its way to its final resting place and it doesn't want to come back to the body right so now you have to go down to that was my favorite gut-wrenching like the big punch in in buffy the vampire slayer where spoiler alert i guess in three two if you haven't seen it already you probably won't um she dies with, like, two seasons left. Yeah. And then she comes back and, like, hey, we rescued you from hell. And then the big twist is, no, she was in heaven and this place is horrible now. Yeah. By contrast. And she doesn't want to be here anymore. And she just wants to go back to heaven. But what's the point of life? And yeah. that feels very Shadowfell to me, right? Yeah. I like the idea of you go and, and you can get to the soul through the Shadowfell and you summon it back. And, oops, they were... They were in paradise, guys. Yeah. And you just fucked that up because you wanted someone that could cure fucking light wounds. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, rough. Okay. Well, that's everyone for uh, two two encounter ideas, two campaigning ideas. Um, We're going to go, once you've done a shout out here, we're going to take a a little dive into Curse of Strahd. One of the more... I had a Curse of Strayed, eh? Curse of Strayed. Oh, fuck yeah. Strahd What's that about? one of the more famous uh, D&D, uh, D&D characters. Um, but first, Adam, do you want to give us a shout-out and then we can dive into it? No, but I'm sure Dan does. Dan, you doing it this time? I'll do it. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, you Adam, do it. You do it? Right. Dan, you just got uh, the book uh, Descent into Avernus, right? Dan, you're doing right? it? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm doing it. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> You uh, yeah, got, no, you I just, just got descent into Alzheimer's, didn't you? Uh, <laughs> apparently, uh, it's these uh, weird we vodka sodas. Uh, no, uh, yeah, I got I got descent into Avernus. I thoroughly enjoy the book. Uh, I love how you've already shortened it to Avernus. Avernus, descent into a Avernus, into a furnace, into a furnace. Well, it is hell and it's hot. So um, it's a great campaign. It's got a lot of interesting things. Like re- re- really quickly, what is the campaign? Um, you are, uh, I'm, I'm trying to do this spoiler free for everybody. But you start in Baldur's Gate and then you have to you go You start in Baldur's hell. Gate and then you go into hell to, uh, solve a missing city. That's right. like descended into hell? That has descended into Avernus and then all of the pol- uh, pol- uh, politics around that. Um, is it an urban campaign? No, very no. much no. You you go all through uh, Avernus, which is the first plane of the Nine Hells. It is the first level of the Nine. How hells. do you travel? Uh, there are you can do it by foot, you can do it by horse. Um, even though you can do it by rail, you can do it by plane. Uh, no, but there are very well, technically you are doing it by plane, aren't you? There, I hate you both. Uh, <laughs> there are very Mad Max esque. Like demon vehicles. That is a new rule they've thrown Not in. Not demon, there. that would be devil vehicles. Sorry, devil vehicles. Uh, infernal vehicles that they've brought in that are absolutely wonderful. And there's like everything from a motorbike all the way up to like a big Sherman tank. How are they powered? Uh, soul coins. You get a coin that is loaded full of soul and you drop it in like it's a freaking well, baseball it's, game. It's loaded full of soul like someone's soul or it's loaded full of soul like it's... Like really, James Brown? Like it loves jazz. <laughs> like you hold it... You tip someone playing the saxophone on the side of the road, right? Why not both? Okay. So you yeah. drop this thing into the uh, car to make it go. 
And that's it. It's just coin-op? It's coin-operated, yes. But it's sole coin-op? But having these coins also give you a bunch of other boons and whatnot to them. You could you could pull parts of the soul to yourself to heal yourself. It's... That's horrible. It's amazing. That's dark. Um, and the... Uh, she's on the cover of the book, so I'm not spoiling anything here. The big bad is Zeriel, who is the queen of the first level of... Mermaids. Of... The Nine Hells. And she... That's Ariel, not Zeriel. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she is a fallen angel who came down to fight against the Blood War because none of the Celestials wanted to. And she slowly became corrupted by the Avernus and, of course, Asmodeus. Um, so it, it's a great book. Is, is he a plot point? Like, is He, he is a up? plot point. Oh, fuck yeah. That's what um, yeah those I mean, who no. are big critical role nerds would love to know that Archon the Cruel... Uh, played by Joe Manganiello. Um, Joe actually wrote a section of this featuring Archon and his whole... I love you guys run first name basis, Dan. Um, I would love to be on first name basis with Joe Manganiello. Anyways, uh, <laughs> the... He's a werewolf. Uh, I thought he was a type of orange. Isn't he a vampire as well? In True Blood? Uh, yeah, doesn't I he? Didn't, when he started getting really cheesy, I didn't watch it anymore. But yeah, I, sure I never watched any right of now. True Blood. I never watched any of it. But anyways, um, it's, it's a great book it's got a lot of really interesting things that you could put into your campaigns like the vehicles uh there's a few additional new kinds of fiends that are within it um as well as a uh bunch of new backgrounds a bunch of new uh uh magic weapons and magic items that you could throw at your party as well so i, I recommend it i've been loving every minute of it i managed to flip through it and the one thing that i found is it actually has the infernal script in it so yeah. you can see it's got the, the alphabet it's got it's got the infernal alphabet which as as a language nerd that I mean, my nipples are hard. What does this sound? Honest. Klingon. I imagine it sounds like Klingon. It looks like Klingon. It looks a little bit like well, it looks like Latin Klingon. I don't know. I don't know how else to describe. It, it looks a little bit like Latin Klingon. Huh. That oddly makes sense. I'm on board yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's, so, that's that tracks. A- anyway, so I guess our shout out is to Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would I would say sponsor us, but they're just not going to appear. <laughs> no, no, please. Anything us. that we talk about on here. No, no. No, not no. even a little bit. I don't understand why they wouldn't. Oh, Dan, I've got quite a few shout-outs oh, okay. about the cuckolding that we discussed in the last We're just going to move on to uh, okay. Chris's trade, right? <laughs> Wizards of the Coast, reach out to us. And ignore that shit about the cod piece earlier. <laughs> <laughs> or don't. <laughs> Yikes. Curse of Strahd. Oh, okay, yeah. so, um, Dan, you're going to talk to us about... Um, Strahd and his lore. Yep. Background on Strahd. Uh, Adam, you're going to give us an overview of Death House. More or less. More or less. And uh, and I will give the, the Curse of Strahd campaign overview without spoilers uh, after that. Yeah, um, we're, we're going to be trying our hardest to stay spoiler-free here, but... So, so for those people out there that are interested in the published module uh, in a demi-plane of the Shadowfell, Curse of Strahd's a good idea. Okay, three, two, one. I got... That was a fucking 17, you bastard. Who? Dropped down to 11. Who hit you? Who's purple? I was. You. Well, Dan hit me first, so I think you I did not. I'm Dan, so this far was away your from fault. You tried to avoid it. It is not my fault. You I tried, tried to avoid, avoid it. All right. tried. I tried to avoid contacting right. your dice. Okay, so I rolled a 14 ultimately, so I'm going first. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, the thing that I want to say is, <coughs> God damn it, Dan. There you go. First and foremost, the thing that I would like to say. I would drown you, revive you, and then drown you again. You guys literally did that to an NPC in, in a campaign. Oh, yeah, that's when I fell into really? the idea. You weren't there yet. You guys 
Um, were you were you DMing this, Terry? Did I do this? Where we walked across the water, there was a guy in a boat tossing a body over the side of a. Yep. Oh yeah, the yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then we. we so we, you say you got, you did this? I did this. I just remembered that I. Did I this. allowed it to happen. So so what happened was there was a guy dumping a body, and then we went over there. We ran across the surface of the water, and we we hit the guy. No, we hit him with a rock first. Yeah. And then I we was knocked him out. Like yeah, and he fell face first into the water. And then I was a cleric, and I went forward and I'm like, no, we can't kill him. And then I brought him up, and I realized that wait a minute, he's evil. He was dumping a body yeah all right fine fuck it kill him so we dropped him up like again into the water so they so drowned we, him brought him back realized he was bad and drowned him again yeah and then just stole his boat <laughs> just stole his boat fairly certain my party did the exact same thing and that was in curse of straw that's too. in curse of straw yeah. so i don't know if that's in every curse of straw that that happens does it strictly go down that way i don't think <laughs> all right yet. so um i'm trying gonna try to stay spoiler free for death house because Honestly, of every published module that exists, Death House is my favorite, even more so than Curse of Strahd. So what I'm going to try to do here is give a really, really, really brief um, breakdown of what you can expect with it to a certain degree. And then I think how I would twist it and use it myself to fit any campaign. So um, Death House is a, uh, it's like level one to three. Uh, mini campaign. It's in the back of the Curse of Strahd um, module. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PDF is also available for free online. And the the fun thing about it is that it's milestone um, leveling system as well. When you get to this part of the house, you become level two. When you get to this part of the house, you get to level three. And that's it. I think that's the only module that does that. The rest of them all hand out experience points. Mm-hmm. They give the option to do it as milestones, but I don't think there's any hard... Uh, Avernus straight up gives you milestones. Does it? Yeah. Okay, cool. So the idea uh, with Death House is you are in Barovia, and I'm not, I don't think you're in the Shadowfell version of Barovia. You're walking down essentially a lonely road, um, and you see mists all over the place, and you end up uh, running into a couple of children in the road. And the road is in, um, like, Barovia itself. This is a row housing as, as, as well, right? Just off the boulevard of Broken Dreams? Sorry. You said you walked out on a lonely road. I had to say something. <laughs> you really don't. <laughs> you really don't have to say anything. We're going to work on this, Dan. <laughs> so, I miss Megan. She did very well, actually. Yeah, I'm pretty impressed. Apparently. So, <laughs> Dan won't listen to that because he's not in it. The Atomic um, Show with Adam, Brad, and Maggot. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, it's a haunted house, but there are these two children that, that stop you and they say, hey, there's a monster in our house. You need to help us. And the mists continue to, um, to force you towards the house. And there's all sorts of rules in the Curse of Strahd book about what the mists do to you if you spend too much time in them so it really does railroad you hard into this house yeah but i mean honestly you should have some sort of social agreement ahead of time with your players to say yes we're doing this so when the these two children show up and they're like hey we need help they answer the call of the hero right so um you go through i love the kids names too they're rose and thorn and i just think that's i don't know that is my perfect level of cheese when it comes to gothic horror yep Mm. um those those are their nicknames not the real names but um there's there's everything that you would want in a haunted house as far as specters and animated uh items that can attack you and there are it's really exploration more than anything else because you can move throughout the house kind of at your own pace and explore and learn the fact that 
this was a cultist's house and um, the cult worshipped Strahd and a bunch of shit happened and the house keeps burning down and disappearing and then reappearing again. And no one in Barovia wants to go near it because the house keeps regrowing. And so you get to find out what the deal is with the with the cult, how Strahd is involved, and there's a little bit of a twist to that as well, and um, what's up with the kids because there there's a little bit of a twist to that. So there's a couple of twists and turns, very kind of like um like the haunting of Hill House had a couple of twists and turns yeah. to this um, Good show. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's funny. I read the book and then I saw the haunting and then I saw the show and the show is my favorite version. Really? Yeah. More than the book. More well, the book is a little dated. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I I don't know. I I really like the fact that they've got uh, a den full of like taxidermied wolf carcasses. And yeah. She, like it's really really atmospheric. The one attic that has all the furniture draped in cloth in white cloths. Yeah, and you get to go through the different like they have a library and a conservatory and a ballroom. Like it, it's the Clue Mansion, right? But it's scary it's it's isolating and your party will inherently because it's exploration those idiots will split the party and when you're a level one person wandering around by yourself a specter will fuck you up yep yep you are essentially a cr quarter creature because you're part of a party that's a level one yeah right going up against a with the specter cr2 something like that yeah right and that is enough to just fuck your world right it's surprisingly deadly and as much as we all sit around and say, oh, in a scary movie, I would never split up. We'd all go together. Fuck that. I would, I'd never leave the doorway. You doing this. But when you're low levels, when you're level one and two, splitting the party can be as much as I'll run and see what's around the corner. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the other thing that I, I really like about this is that there are two different ways. And I mean... Okay, I got ahead of myself. There's a basement area with all sorts of creepy crypt-like shit in it too, which is kind of where you're headed, right? And it's a matter of getting there. And it feels very Resident Evil 1. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, which I, I really like. But I like the idea that you're given a choice at the end of it to do um, something that will appease the cult or, or piss them off. They will either succeed or they will lose. And then you have to deal with the consequences. And... It's a hard decision to make. And I really, really, really enjoyed that. So um, I like this as an introduction. And ideally what happens is you complete the campaign module and then you go into Curse of Strahd at level three. Love it. I would start a lot of campaigns. If you've got people that never played Death House before, play it play it this way. I, I managed to put together a pirate ship that was lost in the mist. We've talked about this a couple of times. Um, it was a ghostly pirate ship that existed between worlds. And it um, got lost in a swamp and it uh, ran aground. And they it was full of cultists and they ended up digging down into the muck beneath the pirate ship and creating tunnels and a labyrinth underneath as well. And I literally just flipped death house upside down instead of going up to the attic and then you got to find the crypts i went down into the the storage hold and then and then further down into the mud and the the grossness the idea is that this is really 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 easy to skin and to 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 reskin or to reflavor how you want because the monsters can just be replaced with another monster the room can be uh widened or or narrowed or skipped completely 
or you can change it to be something else. I want a laboratory. I can do that, right? Uh, I, I don't want specters. I'm going to do a, a mad scientist laboratory. He's an alchemist, and there's flesh golems all over the place, right? And now I'm doing CR or uh, tier two encounters. It's very, very easy to reskin Death House. And if you guys have never done it, do it. Get your. I'm telling you, DMs, find this um, and and run it. Reflavored how you want because the exploratory factor is really good, and I love the atmosphere that's in it yeah. as well. Uh, Death House is the only time in recent memory I've had a player come up to me and say, "Okay, so we're not doing that again, right? Never, never again." I was not okay with the level of horror and atmosphere you put in here. Like he, he did not want to drive home at the end of the night because he was legitimately scared. <laughs> well, that's well, good. That's a compliment to you as a DM. Yeah. Though. Well, you guys absolutely hated it going through the ship as well, right? Because. You guys nearly freaking died at the end of it. As I ramped up the difficulty yeah. and the horror, I saw that they've got a, a nursemaid's room, and I went, oh, I can do shit with undead babies. That's fun. And I'm like, what? what is my dilemma at the end? If I don't want to use a cult, what do I want to use, right? So, And I ramped up the horror for, well, you guys are level 13, and it... I just flipped the house upside down. Yeah, yeah, right. It was really good though, and and it was, was awesome. But a lot of it, a lot of my descriptions were right out of it. You guys had stuffed tigers instead of stuffed wolves, right? That was the level of, of detail that I like that I changed, and so I can't recommend this high enough. Of all of all of the shit that Wizards has published, this is my favorite. You like Death House? Yeah. Death House is good. I actually really like Death House as well. Um, okay, well I was going second, right? Yep. Okay, so we'll let- what's the Curse of Strayed? Oh, that Curse of Strayed. Death. Well, yeah, Death House naturally moves on to Curse of Strahd. And I will try and do this as best I can without spoilers, okay? If you are planning on running Curse of Strahd or you're interested in the idea of it... Can you say Strayed just once for me? Why do you want me to say that, though? Because it's hilarious. Strayed. Yeah, you fucked it up. No, no yeah, yeah no, you, you ruined it. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the sound of air rapidly deflating from a balloon. Curse of Strahd. Um, curse of Strahd. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Strahd? Strahd. <laughs> that was A-W-D. Strahd. <laughs> I'll try and do this without spoilers, but I'll let you know some of the more fun parts of this uh, campaign as well. Curse of Strahd is unapologetically very much what? Strahd. 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 That's how you say it. Strahd. Strahd. Okay, you tell me how you think you say it. Strahd. Strahd. <laughs> how, Dan, how do you think you say it? How I say it? Yeah. I say it's like Strahd. Strahd? Strahd. Okay, yeah. so this like old Strahd. Eastern European... Strahd von Zarevich, yes. No, oh my god, no. Strahd. Right. Say his whole name, Terry. You've said it properly since day one. Von Zarevich. Yeah. No, it's... Strahd von Zarevich. Strahd von Zarevich. You... No. Listen, listen. It ends with an ICH. Yeah, no, this is the whole thing. This is the whole thing that happens in North America is they, we take Eastern European or German-sounding names and fucking change them, which is why everybody becomes things like Weinstein. And so, do you, was it Albert Einstein? It was Einstein. Yeah. And, and, Zarevich. And I understand why they've changed a lot of the Eastern European thing. I mean, this is a fallout from the World Wars, right, where they don't necessarily want to be associated with the German or the, mm-hmm. the Ukrainian side of things. But, however, I do want to say, God damn it, Dan, Eldritch, Aldrich Horrors has that I-T-C-H. Von Zerovic is I-C-H. You flip them. You say Eldrick and Von Zerovic, and it drives me up the wall. Yeah. 
I would argue that it's also it's also black to, to the day. Fuck. Here's another thing though. I really like it because I lived in Germany for four years. I really like a particular German type of beer called Warsteiner, which gets called here Warsteiner. Hey, do you like do you guys like Warsteiner? And I'm like, it's fucking Warsteiner, and you hurt me every time you say it. <laughs> well, you hurt me when you say Strahd. Strahd. Curse the Strahd. Anyway, yeah, perfect. Sounds like the guy from the IT crowd who's stuck in the back. Curse the Strahd. COS is very much is unapologetically railroady, and you can veer off the tracks a little bit. But what it does for DMs is it gives you a set path to follow where you're not thinking about um, the players going off on crazy tangents and you're not able to bring them back. What I love about Curse the Strahd is you have you have this railroad track that you can follow. But they can kind of go off in different directions, but ultimately all leads to the same route. I know that sounds vague, but I'm trying not to spoil it. Um, there's prophecy involved as well, and your clues are given with regards to certain items you can find, certain places that you should go to, um, <clears throat> and ultimately the DM is is aware of where Strahd will appear for the final battle. What I also love about Curse of Strahd is that there is very much a relationship with Strahd as a big bad. He I, he's appears, probably the most fleshed out big bad. He mm-hmm. appears often and will converse with your party. He will t- and I did it in such a way that I locked two players in a room, sat down opposite side of a desk, and conversed with them yeah. for a long time. Freaked them the fuck out because he was not scared. I even went as far as got my big bad, and this isn't in the book, to present them with an arrow that he knows will cause, with a radiant arrow to know that will cause him damage. Because he was essentially, he was a show of force. He was peacocking. He was saying, here's the thing that would kill most undead, but I am not afraid that you have it. All right, so hold on. The reason that we're talking about Curse of Strahd is because it exists in the Shadowfell. That's correct. Death House gets you into... Um, like you're in Barovia, but then you end up in the Shadowfell version yeah. of Barovia where Strahd is. And the big thing in Curse of Strahd is you can't leave, right? Like you're you're you trying to get leave. out. Yeah, you cannot leave. You're trying to find and, your way out. And you're in a valley surrounded by mists and mountains and you can't get out of the and valley. So the right? theory it's to, to the players soon becomes, well, if we kill Strahd, we'll get out of here. Yeah. You know, it's and because of this person, that we're, this vampire that we're yeah, still the, 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 And he even goes so far as to tell you that like you're here to entertain him, but but just to be clear, this isn't the Shadowfell. This is a demi plane. This is a, a offshoot yeah. of the Shadowfell. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, and and this is a, a ca- <clears throat> sorry guys. This is a campaign where you have to be very careful that at first you are there to entertain Strahd, but as you become more powerful, he soon begins to see you as a threat. And that's where it's at the DM's discretion. He starts to become more deadly. There is no set time when you should have your final encounter. And this is a campaign which is great practice for those of you that have trouble adjusting for when players go off the rails, air quotes, because you can put Strahd in, take Strahd out, use the other NPCs, the lieutenants that are out there for encounters. And essentially, there's no rails to go off of in the sense that the final encounter can come whenever you want it to, and really, ultimately, wherever you want it to. There is a guideline on that, but you don't 100% need to stick to it. What, one of the things that I really liked about this, remember we did our episode on Big Bad Evil Guys, we talked about lieutenants and captains, and the general isn't necessarily the person running it. There are, like, lieutenants built right into this, right? Um, Terry, lieutenants? Uh, lieutenants, yes. Okay, um, I'm, I'm trying. Thank you. Strahd, Strahd, Strahd. 
Sense. Yeah. <laughs> when we invented the English language in English, we were like bullshit. English, when you stole English. it from every other language, when we, when, we, <laughs> when we saw the Spanish, the French, and the Latins, when we stole all of their words and told them how to say it, we were like, we can't wait to go and colonize the Americas so that suddenly we can all start speaking from the back of our throats, <laughs> from right from right here. Curse us, trade, and, <laughs> and then those people can tell all of the other people in the world that they are from their countries and confuse them. Hey, I'm. Irish and the Irish guy's going no you're fucking not what are you talking about I feel personally attacked right now you're French <laughs> I will not have this blasphemy on my podcast alright okay so hold maybe on. this is why you surrender so often so <laughs> oh woof oh Watch. I love it that's but well, I'm not scared. I'm English. We've never we haven't been beaten by the French since uh, 1066. So. I'm pretty sure the French were directly involved in the American Revolution, but you don't learn about that in schools, right? Uh, no, it never happened. Yeah, okay. Just like how Canadians burnt down the. Um, no, we are taught. We are literally yeah. taught in British schools that we have not lost a war in a thousand years. Well then, yeah. really? Does the sun still never set on the British Empire? <laughs> and uh, and uh, any other case has been uh, strategic withdrawal. <laughs> uh, the Americans do much the same. Yeah. Anyway, let's not go down this road. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that I really like about the Curse of Strahd campaign is the fact that there are really three or four main locations, and one of them is is Castle Ravenloft, right? Yeah. But, and but I was a player. How much of of the castle is actually laid out in the book, and how much of it did you create? Yes, it is laid out in the DMs. Listen to this. It is laid out in the book. Over about 34 pages, and it is fucking... If you're going to follow it as a tactical dungeon crawl, it is very difficult. I would give yourself a rough idea of what is in each room, and good luck with that. I literally had to draw it out on a map, which I kept screwing up and had to do it a thousand times um, over several maps. But this is just a great time for you to practice a little bit of improv... Definitely a lot of theater of the mind if you can. If I was to go back and do this campaign again, I would rely more, much more heavily on theater of the mind. But you need to read this campaign through, particularly the dungeon crawl of Castle Ravenloft, a couple of times because there is a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So is that me? Yeah. All right. So we've talked about the Death House. We've talked about an overview of the entire campaign itself. Um, but I- let me ask you, Daniel, who is Strayed? So uh, when you get right down to the person he is, Strahd von Zerovic. Strahd. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if the internet's screaming at us for this one either. I'm telling you right now, you fucking colonials. Can I call the audience that? Oh, uh, you have on multiple occasions. Oh, okay. So okay. Stop okay. Now. okay, okay. <laughs> for those of you that aren't in North America, we apologize. Yeah. For those of you in Europe, everybody's like, yeah. Uh, for those of you where else, I don't know. America. You know, there are other countries in Europe other than Britain, right? Yeah, but they're all part of the UK as far as... Not, not, not a part of, um, of the EU, though. No, no. We're not getting into this. We love Anyways, you. so uh, Strahd von Zerovic yep. um, is uh, the son of King Berov and Queen uh, Reven- Ravonia. Ravonia. Yeah. Like Raven, but Onia. Yeah. Uh, Let's see what they did here. So uh, they were a. I just praised Rose and Thorn, but I'm booing they, they were a very expansive focus uh, family of Eastern European flavored. Like a lot of it's got. Uh, he's based directly off Dracula. Like, let's just make that. It's pronounced Draculia. <laughs> Dracula. Uh, based heavily it's, off it's Bradley uh, Dan, and Paler. Dan, Dan, it's Dracula. 
Dracula. No, I, you have to roll the R. I'm not doing Dracula. Any of this. Very much based on Dracula. <laughs> so, uh, um, actually, uh, so what happened was uh, or Chestershire. <laughs> <laughs> I love those memes where it's like nobody knows how to say yeah. Worcestershire. I, can't, I know 64 million people that can tell you how. Worcestershire. All right. All right, Dan. So, anyways, uh, uh, Barov died, and Strahd uh, went on this rampage and cleared out the uh, this lush, verdant valley of all of the people who fought back against him. And when he right, so finally settled... I got I to gotta pause you because I know a little bit about this. Are you staying spoiler free too? Do we need to warn people? Because I'm going to try to stay as spoiler free as I can. Okay, here. Could, all right. Yeah, um, I will end at a very certain point and be like, right. But you, I'd like you to get vague too about things. Yeah. So, uh, Strahd cleared the area, liked it so much, he decided to stay and he built a kingdom here. Um, uh, when is Barovia named after his father? Then it is. Barovia is named after King Barrow. Well, it's, and his mother. It's the two names joined together, isn't it? No, it's not. It's what's just his mother's name. Ravenloft. Ravenloft is named after his mother. Yeah, but but what's her name? Ravonia or something like that. So Barovia. Not no. It Barov. It's specifically. Yeah. It, it doesn't really matter, but it's specifically Barovia is named after the king. The castle's named after the okay. king. Okay. Okay. Um, and it does say that specifically. Um, he has a younger brother. His younger brother is, uh, far more... He's a real What's his younger brother's name? Social guy. What's his younger brother's name? Sergei. Mm-hmm. Is it not Sergei? I... <laughs> I'm just fucking with you now, Dan. <laughs> Getting upset. Uh, so, uh... Dan, répétez-moi. Sergei. Sergei. I'm pretty sure the G is silent. Sergei. Sergei. <laughs> His name was so Sergei from uh, <laughs> System of a Down. Um, he was far more personable. He wasn't as militaristic. Uh, Strahd was a very uh, strong, silent, like he was a very powerful man. Uh, very, but he was militant. He was very yeah. militant. Um, yeah, prestigious. And very prestigious. Very like high and noble kind of character. And Sergei, his little brother, was far more. He's a player. He's going. He was a player. He was a party kid. Oh, yeah. He was. He was he was the Prince Harry, Harry. to Prince, Prince Harry. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Right. All right. Uh, so hold on. Man. So before you get into anything further, really broad strokes this because this is all spoiler territory moving forward. Yeah. So long story short, what's Prince Harry's real name? Go Harold. Herman Henry. Henry. Really? Carry on. Anyways, uh, well, no, that makes sense because uh, what's Henry short for? Um, Henrold. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Are you sure it's not Herons? <laughs> Terry is short for Terry. No, Herons. Not mine. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's Harry and Terry. Okay, if, I, if I've learned anything. <laughs> Yikes. Anyways, so uh, very broad strokes. Strahd had some despair happen in his life. Yep. And uh, because of that despair... His uh, brother did not help the situation. Brother definitely did not help the situation. Uh, Strahd... Made a deal. The curse happened. Which ended up in the curse. And now his kingdom of Barovia has been transported from the prime material plane to this demi-plane in the Shadowfell. Yeah. And he has been cursed as a vampire. This whole curse is part it's of... pronounced vampire. Vampire. Well, no, vampire. <laughs> vampire. 
I hate this bit almost as much as the fucking forgetfulness bit. What? <laughs> which, which bit? We're going to talk about bullywugs, guys. Anyways. Dad, we got to get through this. <laughs> Come on, man. It's him. It's all his fault. Anyways, we are uh, tasked as a party to go in. Um, and you are stuck in this demiplane and you have to get out and Strahd is the, the eternal watcher of this demiplane. So you're very much led to confront him about this. But when the whole, when the whole valley, his, his realm moved into Shadowfell, it took the citizens with The him. citizens and everything. And it's a massive valley. There's a massive And lake. no one can leave. No one, no one can leave. There's this fog surrounding the entire thing. like a mystical fog that fucks you up if you go into it, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, Strahd himself uh, then spends the rest of his life... Uh, unlife. Uh, rest of his unlife uh, trying to recapture some of uh, the joy he had in his previous life. Um, I feel like you just give him a puppy. The whole thing is just done. No. You're leading me into spoiler territory, so I'm going to shut that right the fuck down <laughs> right now. Um... He has what does he have? Hellhounds or something? He's got he's got a nightmare. He's got mm, it's on the front. I'm sure he's got like a oh yeah he's got hellhounds. Yeah he's got hundred percent he's got hellhounds. hellhounds. Okay all right so okay we I don't want to go any further into into, into no. squad because now we're in huge spoiler huge territory. spoiler territory here yeah um how would I, I gotta ask how do you guys change it up uh well should I tell you what. I did? Around yeah. what you guys did? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Dan, you ran through it and it was radically different than... It was radically well, different, Well, yeah. my party that ran through it, instead of keeping it as a small, knit, tight group of investigative um, party members that went and tried to figure out how to kill Strahd strategically, just began to rally up NPCs, built relationships so well that I couldn't even, like, argue it. I couldn't be like... No, these people that you've convinced that Strahd is bad does do not want to help you. Like, they did. Uh, found some more powerful people and essentially just came up with this huge battle strategy. And we just had a big military battle from three fronts. One, four, four fronts because we had a spy. Four fronts, that's right. So we had a spy inside who fucking married him. <laughs> the Black Widow of Barovia. And was turned into, yeah, Erinith, uh, the Wood Elf Ranger, became the Black Widow of Barovia, uh, when she was turned into a vampire as well. Vampire. Willingly, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Willingly turned into And then we had our uh, monk led uh, a small group uh, under the sewers of Ravenloft and came in through the crypts, I believe. Yeah, they were like a, a, a assault We had a main too. force uh, um, smashed their way through the front gate and entered the castle through the front. And then we had an aerial force of, uh, of were-ravens. And, a, and, a, and, a and, and we're carrying holy water bombs <laughs> that they rained down <laughs> from above. On the force, and they went against. I think the first uh, force they went against with a horde of um, a horde of zombies, and, and then they had the guards that were coming in. Then they started getting to the lieutenants, and then they came across one of the uh, one of the Strahd's captains, which was actually my character Titus, who just yeah. legitimately it was as an NPC at the time, legitimately did not realize that he was fighting for the baddies, and it, it asked himself that question: Am I fighting for the bad guys? Yes, you are. He was turned around and joined the party as an NPC. 
Um, yeah, we fought, uh, you guys fought a druid um, who was in like a big tree mech thing that you made short work of. And then we trapped Strahd and a couple of his lieutenants What in happened power. was you went in from the top and Strahd and a couple of his lieutenants tried to prevent you going up the tallest tower, I think, and were trying to cause damage on you from above. For reasons. Um... But the, the force that went in through the front met up with the force that came in through the sewers. You guys met together, right? And then you essentially fought your way up the tower. He couldn't escape. Because there was a fucking Dracolich sitting at the top. And was sandwiched. Um, there was, spoiler alert for a very important magic item in three, two, one. Fuck you guys. Uh, there was a Sunblade involved. Uh, and Strahd, and I played it fair, went to jump over a huge gap in the tower to escape rolled a wand and fucking landed down in front of the cleric dwarf. It was me, yeah. Who, uh, had I, I, I whomped him. Who had, and you, you had that Warhammer had, that yeah. you could choose to detonate. Yeah. You could choose to detonate and essentially did something very similar to fireball damage, but you as the activator also took that damage. But it was radiant damage, and he was invisible when he fell, and nobody else knew it, and I'm like, wait a minute, what's that noise? Yeah. All right, I'm going to hit it. Womp. And, that, and I think there were two more rounds after that, but that two more rounds. But he was stuck was there, action economy. And but when he died, he was within the light of the sunblade, and so he was just done. And so yeah. I was like looking at my notes, like there was just like silence. And I just like flicked paper, and I was like, I, "You guys fucking killed him!" Like I didn't know how to get out of it. I was like. Uh, there was like all of this huge big build up and then I was like I guess he's fucking dead <laughs> and then we kind of went from there but so we did it as a big military battle yeah the way we did it differently is uh, we kind of went through as a and the, the campaign itself kind of lends itself you're building a bit of a resistance force like you're building an army you have to to take them down um, but there is I don't think this will have very many spoilers in it just to drop the name but uh, there's the Argonvost yeah. Um, and what I would recommend to a DM who wants to make this different, make this unique, focus more on the Argonvost side of the story. Argonvost. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm not going to talk till the. I'm, I'm going to murder you. Yeah, I'm that's done. what's going to happen. Um, a large tragedy is going to happen in your life, and you're going to get shunned off to the shadow. Pronounce No, you even fucking start. <laughs> Okay, go on, Dad. We got to wrap this sucker up. But anyways, uh, focus on the Argonvoss side of things. Uh, they've got it, their own tragic story involved with that entire family. Um, and my character, when I played, was the last heir of the Argonvost, and I went in. Okay, so, so, so what, what, what did you play? What was your... I, uh-huh. You're not going to like this. I played a Silver Dragonborn. I knew he was going to say Silver Dragonborn. Uh, I knew he was going to say Silver Dragonborn. I almost said it before. Uh, but there are reasons like that, uh, reasons for all of those choices that I sure, made yeah, character. Sure. So uh, I would, there are so many different factions you can focus on. Um, there are some very big names that make their way into this thing as well. So if you look yeah, for them, yeah. you, you can focus in on this campaign in many different ways. You don't necessarily have to have Strahd as the big bad guy. You could use this thing as it's as a uh, blanket with which to build up from. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. All right, team. we got to wrap this thing up. Any more final thoughts on the Shadowfell or even anything about Curse of Strahd or Strahd himself? I don't feel like we did enough justice to the idea that there are ghosts and spirits. 
just littered throughout the Shadowfell. And yeah. even Curse of Strahd, you're going to run into your ethereal bad guys yeah. as well. We didn't really touch on them. They're undead everywhere. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um, but I find it's more zombies. I didn't see a lot of skeletons. There are vampire spawns. There are zombies. There are... I, like, I'm looking for will-o'-wisps as mm-hmm. well, like moving through the fog. So that, I guess that's my final thought is there's more options than just... Yeah. yeah. Just vampires. And, and don't have them just... They can be more than just terrain. They can also be trap, right? And, and I, we got to really reinforce this. There's an entry in one of the books that I read in preparation for this episode that said there is a castle that has uh, specters and zombies and ghouls and everything that float around the tower, uh, spinning in circles. And any you can't get to it by air because they're just floating undead. All the way around this thing, and it, it creates this very awesome, like almost straight up uh, never-ending story image of this, you know, evil castle with the thing spinning around it. So nice. Okay, I went to Fantasia. For Fantasia works too. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it for this week's episode on Shadowfell. Remember to tell your friends, and they can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, as well as dozens of other podcast apps. You can also find us at itsamimic.com, or you can email us at info at itsamimic.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the It's a Mimic podcast. My name is Terry. On my left is Adam. On my right is Dan. Thank you, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to It's a Mimic. Check us out online at itsamimic.com or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have questions you would like answered by the guys on the show? Send them an email to itsamimic at gmail.com. Tune in every Tuesday for more. What is your favorite vampire from which fandom? Now, this can be a controversial topic, and so hopefully I don't have to disown either of you as friends. But uh, what's your favorite vampire? Hold on, hold on, hold on. If Dan says Twilight, we're going to fucking execute him, right? Dan? I don't even recognize that okay, good. as an option. Okay. Um, you're talking to a guy who has problems with Harry Potter because they fucked with monsters. Just saying the name or... So... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's Harry Podler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Harry Podler, right. No, um, I no Twilight is an abomination and it was... It, yeah. Uh, hard can we roll initiative for this? So that, yeah, yeah sure. Well, that's what we do. Is that what Why we do? Why did I go for the bone oh, eight? I got so, three. So Terry, what's 17. your favorite kind of vampire? You know what, guys? I'm going to tell you. Back in the day, this may have been uh, seen as a little bit of a, a, a whatever. I'm not going to be very good with words today, guys. I just got off a flight from Texas, and I live in Vancouver, so it's very far away. Uh, but I really like the Anne Rice vampires. I go balls deep into like Armand and Lestat and Marius. Armand would let you go balls deep into Armand. I, I knew, I knew <laughs> someone was going to bring up Lestat. Like, yeah, um, I, not not Lestat as a character. I like, I did like Armand a lot. I really liked Marius. I like, um, I liked all of the older, the really old yeah. vampires. Yeah, um, yeah. I like Marius because he was like Roman. I have only kind of seen the movies. Well. Both of the movies, so both the Tom Cruise interview with the vampire, with, I, which I loved, I thought with, it was, uh, fantastic. was it Brad Pitt, yeah, like? Brad Pitt, Brad Pitt. Yeah. and Antonio Banderas, and, and Kristen Dunst. Antonio Banderas was Armand, right? Yeah, he played Armand. Yeah, that is good for Armand. It, it, it was good, but not great because it was a bit Tom Cruisey, and it's like that's not however you kind of imagine it. Yeah, but then when they Queen, did of, Queen, the of, the, Queen of the Damned with Aaliyah and uh, Stuart Townsend, is that his name? I think so. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I think so. Yeah, and uh, that was like. First of all, it didn't make sense why they went straight to the Queen of the Damned for me. 
because um, that's like the, what the third book in the series or something something like that yeah. uh, and then it, it was just like completely off the rails it still makes more sense than the freaking um, Chronicles of Narnia yeah yeah their, their release for the for the like big movie like the big motion picture movie things is bonkers I don't get it but I love those vampires because they're almost kind of alien in that they do what we would consider to be horrific things but to them is just necessary it's just normal. They're like, this is just the way it is. They will never understand. It's like it. a cultural difference. They're like, they're like the humans will never understand. They're lower than us. Their food. They're and uh, and uh, I love that. I love that idea of, of power. And I kind of wish it was real. But yeah. So. Uh, I was next, so um, I know a lot of people are gonna be like, Dan's just gonna say Dracula, and yes, Gary Oldman Dracula is like, well, Dracula's good. It's answer. pinnacle for me. Really, um, Gary Oldman? You didn't go Bela Lugosi on this one? Oh no, I, Bela Lugosi was too cheesy. Uh, Have you ever sat down and watched it? Yes. Then you're wrong. Anyways, you keep doing your Anyways, thing. Anyways, yeah. but uh, this will be where Terry and I really agree deeply. Weird. Underworld, the zombie, oh. uh, the, the the vampires, and the Just uh, Kate Beckinsale. Kate Beckinsale. Yeah, Kate Beckinsale, she's on my top three. Kate Beckinsale's like, my number one. She's my number two, dude. Is she really? Yeah. Who's your number one? Jennifer Love Hewitt. I let her do things to me. Really? You, yo, you're that age of party of five was big. When you yeah, were yeah, yeah. That oh, makes sense. My no. number, my my number three. I'm going to correct you. What's your number three? Jason Momoa. Jason. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Hey, yeah. I see it, man. Yeah. I see it. I feel you. Okay, here's the correct answer to that question. Number one, Kate Beckinsale. Number two, Evangeline Lilly. Number three, Jessica Biel. I won't hear anything different anytime. No, I, I, I'm, I'm on board with that list. That's a good list. Okay. Anyways, right. but I, Dracula. I, I really like how they did vampires in the Underworld series. Uh, the Long Life, there's that little bit of mysticism to them. Um, that also advanced technological aspect that they were keeping from the rest of the world. I just love all of that, the, the political nonsense. And I love Bill Nighy as well, so... Um, Adam? Okay, first of all, you're both wrong, and here's why. <laughs> um, vampires need to be freaking scary. And I feel like they're just not. In, in those, they're action, right? Yeah. Or they're, like, I like the alien aspect, but if I'm going to go alien, I want Nosferatu, right? But I want them to be legitimately frightening. 30 days a night, mm-hmm. right? If you come back from Texas and you didn't say from dusk till dawn, you're not thinking straight. Mm-hmm. Bordello of blood. Let's get into, like, the fangs, the nasty, horrible shit that comes with the vampires. And my favorite scary vampire of all time, and I think it's because it was in a TV series. Um, and so they had the opportunity to really draw it out and play with it and and show you the horrible mentality of it. Was it the vampires in Buffy? Mm. I freaking love the Buffy. And Men sing around like a magnificent poof is clearly thanks enough. My favorite quote from the entire freaking Buffy. And, and, and Angel. I, yeah. Angel is probably my secret, like, favorite show of all time. Really? Yeah, my favorite character of all time is Wesley from Angel because he is... In my opinion, the only truly tragic character besides Jesse Pinkman. There's no truly tragic character besides those two in that's available in, in media. Hmm. So at, at least like, at least popular nerd media, right? Yeah, I mean you're gonna you can find that side characters one up, but those were main characters that never caught a goddamn break. And I just that's what I want. Uh, hurt my hurt my characters. Hurt, hurt yeah. my heroes. Yeah. I want to see the spiral down into darkness and they never come back. Yeah. That's engaging to me. And I think that that's what's so cool about vampires is they are the darkness and they're never coming back from it. Mm-hmm. Right? They're... No, never mind. I changed my mind. Dracula dead and loving it. 
<laughs> nobody said nobody said Blade, interestingly enough. Well, well I, no, yes. I thought about Blade. Yeah, no, I thought Dan, about Blade Dan said Blade when he said Underworld, right? That's yeah. the same damn thing. They're very they're very similar. Yeah. It's just cool. it's just vampires I, and latex. I, I also liked the That's uh, how I like my vampires. And, and, and this is this is a controversial opinion. I liked the vampires in Blade Three. Oh, with, with the jaws cool. that opened up. Yeah, that, that's yeah, pretty but, cool. I mean, the, the predator vampires. Yeah, yeah, mm. I liked those guys too. Oh, Anyways, you like the more monstrous type vampires? Yes, yeah. My monsters need glamorous. to be otherworldly, but they pass as human, mm. right? And and this is the same thing with uh, playing Vampire Masquerade, the game. I, you weren't going to ask me this question without me bringing it up. You you can you play otherworldly. What's the vampires. goal of that game? Um, the sex. It's not the sex. Uh, the goal of Vampire the Masquerade is, is the same as Dungeons and Dragons. No, it's the same as Dungeons and Dragons. It's to promote your character and have a fully fleshed out character that has an interesting arc, huh. right? Um, it's just very modern time, um, and there's a lot of political intrigue between Sire and Bloodlines. So it, it's and like the prince of the city and and all all of that. So other it's other political it, it's very political intrigue there's not a lot of murder it's very uh kind of call of Cthulhu in the sense that it's also incredibly deadly yeah. so huh uh no one said uh like sookie stackhouse novels or anything like that oh shit i forgot about true blood yeah i also forgot about true, true blood. blood i haven't seen it i don't know anything about it i've only seen a couple clips and could have been it could have been amazing if they went dark but they went teeny bopper with it they uh-huh. they should have gone dark as shit well that's what i liked about the vampires in supernatural too like i like the the vampires that are almost animals yes yeah. right they're, they're like 30 days of night when they're sitting there communicating and howling and at each other and making mm-hmm. weird clicking noises and they've all got that weird like head twitch movement man that's so awesome i want to see more of that shit yeah right no, i agree so um, would you rather be a werewolf or a vampire oh uh vampire. werewolf vampire werewolf werewolf yeah 100 percent. 100 percent werewolf I like the raw animalistic power that comes with it. Yep. And you can just do that like half change where you kind of look like a vampire anyway. And then, you know, once you change back, you forget about what you did the previous night. So, I mean, no that consequences. Doesn't clear your soul and you probably left a whole bunch of evidence leading right to your door. And you do are vampires always, have souls? And you are always waking up naked in gardens. That's that true. just sounds like 21-year-old Dan anyway. So, that, I mean, I already have to practice. True. And yeah. the, the question of do vampires have souls depends on whether you're going like... From a more of a, like a mythological or like um, d- demonic type vampire, or are you going more of like a scientific change where they're just yeah. they've just become monstrous? Oh, did you guys see the strain? Yes, no. the strain was cool. Where, where vampirism was it was a disease. Yep, it was very cool. That. They were very similar to zombies in that sense as well, like kind including kinda, their yeah. movements. When because they had the, the I loved the the worm they had things. the ones who were managing their disease well, and then if you did not feed for a while, you, you, you know, slowly descended into zombies. You know, Guillermo del Toro wrote the, that trilogy, and I have it if you guys want to want because as good as the show was, it was kind of campy sometimes. Man, the books were freaking amazing. I can put them down. It was fantastic. Cool. Nice. Well, the reason we're talking about vampires is because we can tie that all in with the topic of today's podcast, which is, guys, and I'm excited for this one, we're talking about the Shadowfell. Goth, damn it. Oh, my God. That was the... That's, that's the... That's, that's, that's the title. Pun at the...